0: So when you watch River Dragons games or Chattahoots games, there is a singular voice that everyone identifies with those broadcasts. Jack, we get to actually meet the person behind that voice today.
1: Exactly. He has been the soundtrack of the return to hockey and baseball here in the Fountain City. And you're going to get to meet him. This is episode 28, the Dalton Anderson episode of On Your Sidelines. Sports icons, welcome to
2: the On Your Sidelines podcast with the News 3 sports team.
0: Bring in everybody. Welcome to On Your Sidelines. I'm sports director Rex Castillo. And I'm weekend sports
1: anchor Jack Patterson. Well, Jack, you called this the which episode? The Since Dalton Anderson episode, Love which it. is fitting
0: for <laughs> our guest today. Absolutely. It's a little bit of a hockey feeling today, For at least for me in this t-shirt check. It's a jersey check. But Jack, who are you going with? Well, I, I I
1: sincerely screwed up here, <laughs> and you're gonna see why in a second. Because Rex has his jersey Keep on. Keep it a
0: teal, baby. Let's exactly. go, dragons. And
1: I did not. I was. I, it did not cross my mind. It is a messed up on my part. <laughs> but I am rocking the champions from 2018, the MLS Cup, the Atlanta United. Always unite and conquer with the five strikes, yep. Rex. You're rocking a team locally here, but you're also rocking yourself, which is a definite
0: flex. <laughs> I just, I absolutely love this jersey. If I ever get another hockey jersey, it will be a close second to this, but a man who knows. All about this team and the Chattahoots. Let's bring in Zach DeBozart. Thank you so much for joining us, my friend.
2: Hey, guys. How we doing? I am also rocking a jersey. but it's with, it's, it's with my nickname on the back. It's DeBroadcaster, not De Beauzart, That's which ironically <laughs> is a longer name. Place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if people have ra- realized that DeBroadcaster is 13, DeBozart is 12. Wow. <laughs> and, they, and they still let me do that on all the I'm customs. Getting ready, I'm getting ready to say, you're really pushing that letter limit, aren't you? <laughs> they really are. At a certain point, I'm going to get the Saltalamakia, the little... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the, the curve the, the, all, the all the around. Just, yeah, just, just do a full circle around my number. <laughs> there you go. And by the way, to fully add in how much Jack might have messed up, oh boy. he was the one who booked me.
0: Attaboys, exactly. Jack
2: was the one who booked me. It was this like this was your idea, nah. guy. I, I, listen, I,
1: everybody likes to think I'm perfect inside these inside this building. He's close to it. I'm not. <coughs>
0: Jack I'm not. is also the leading hockey fan. He's bringing me into this and also bringing me along with being a hockey fan is Zach and and the great call. Zach, let's get, let's start it off though. How did you get into to hockey? First of all.
2: So I've loved hockey from a very young age. Um, as people can usually tell uh, by my accent or lack thereof, <laughs> I am not from the deep south <laughs> at right. all. Um, actually, I really wonder if, you know, I were to move to an area where people don't know me mm-hmm. at all, what they would consider my accent to be because I lived in the Midwest for pretty much my entire life. Grew up and born in Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, went to school out there. And literally my first uh, venture out of the state in terms of full-time work was hockey in the South from Carolina, now here to Columbus. Um, But just growing up in Michigan from, you know, a very young age, just got introduced to the sport. And around the time I was growing up, the Detroit Red Wings were in the middle of their dynasty, just being phenomenal, you know, three cups in like six years. Hockey town for sure. Oh yeah. And that, and that was, and that really just stuck with me. I just, I love that. I followed the team. I went to games. I had jerseys. I had merch. Like I was, I was a diehard fan. And so I just kept sticking with it. And eventually it just got to the point where you know i kind of realized i had that gift for gab type thing and uh, and and at some point i'm sure we'll get into it i'll tell the story but at some point i just put together you like talking you like sports you're gonna figure out a way to 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 merge these two (laughs) ideas together uh and here we are you know
1: i gotta ask who was your favorite red, red wing player
2: Oh, so that's interesting because I loved Sergei Fedorov growing up. Right. And then Sergei Fedorov taught me one of the harshest lessons any sports has to learn. And it is that professional sports is a business. Yep. So after they had won back-to-back cups, 97, 98, and I had learned at the ripe young age of like six, seven years old, oh that, no. that Fedorov is going to the Anaheim Ducks. I'm like, but why? He does so good here. <laughs> like learned at a very young age, pro sports is a business. You go where the money is, you mm-hmm. go where people you know we'll take care of you and uh you know that was it but i mean i still love him he was he was a great player growing up loved obviously nick lindstrom because i played defense Mm -hmm. uh when i played hockey as a kid and then of course i mean how can you not love the captain steve eiserman now the gm of my red wings as well so uh it's just a lot of nostalgia and a lot of love for that 90s 2000s era of hockey
0: did you ever uh, catch yourself like Maybe before you knew you wanted to be uh, a play-by-play guy, like re- reenacting calls from some of your favorite plays.
2: You know what's funny is I actually think I remember reenacting more PA announcing really? than I did because uh, just you know going to the old Joe Lewis Arena and just getting that you know sense of the game, sense of the atmosphere. The PA announcer is what is what I heard of more. Um, so I think young Zach wanted to mimic that more, mm-hmm. and then as I got older. I remember because, remember, the NHL used to be really messed up with its alignment. The Detroit Red Wings in the Eastern Time Zone used to be in the Western Conference, so they had to make multiple trips on West. And again, me being a young preteen, I I think I probably developed it doing this – I would, you know, bedtime is nine, ten o'clock or right. whatever, but that's when games start. Detroit plays in Edmonton at 10 o'clock, mom, <laughs> come on. Um, but I would sneak a radio, whether it's one of those little, like, tiny, like, first-edition radio mm-hmm. slash MP3 players or try and, like, take the little one from the kitchen, and I would tune the game to the frequency, and I'd listen to it real low and just do that and probably until I fell asleep. Who knows when yep. it would be super groggy the next day for school. But I think that might be where it eventually came from is just at some point – you know listening on the radio not being able to have that and you know ken Cal and paul woods were the red wings play-by-play and they still are um but just growing up like listening to that as i fell asleep trying to stay in tune with my team i think is really where i developed the love for it because it's just such a cool way to do it and i felt like you know such a rebel sneaking in <laughs> <of> my parents <laughs> I, n-
1: I know that feeling i have a similar story listen to scott miller call csu games so i'm right there with you
2: there you go
0: um, so uh, when you f- when you see this is becoming a possibility, you're leaving Michigan to go to Carolina. If, was there a part of you like, does hockey even work in the South?
2: So hold on, before we even get to that. What's interesting is so <clears throat> when I was in college, and this is funny because I had uh, I, I had this realization of how much you know you hear the cliche, you know, college changes people, okay. right? You 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 go in one way and you leave a different way, and how you leave, is, you know, whatever you insert your own storyline there. But <laughs> yeah. for me. Uh, it was funny. I was one year out of college in Lansing, Michigan, on the radio. But the reason how I knew I had shifted things in college to really diving into this hard is because uh, I met up with this. I met up with this person who was a uh, a, a percussionist because I was in the drum okay. line. I did a whole bunch of music throughout school. And according to people that I was in drum lines and percussion sections with in my junior year and high, senior year of high school. I was going off to college, and I was going to be this music guy, right? I was going to be, like, music theory, music uh-huh. major. I was going to find all this, and I loved it. And I still love it. Don't get me wrong. But uh, one year into Grand Valley, and I just had some things. I was like, you know what? I, uh, music might be a little much. Because uh, mm-hmm. some of those music theory classes, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> I like math, but that's a lot of math. Um, and eventually, like I kind of alluded to, the uh, I, I went to school originally. just I had, I had to declare a major parents said you have to declare a major you cannot go in undecided now there was another reason for that but had to go in declaring a major and i kind of just skimmed through and i was like communications is vague enough where i can figure out what i want to do and i will adjust my major as needed from there so i took the first year taking gen eds kind of delving into it but also having that eye towards music and i'm glad i didn't really commit to that right away because mm-hmm. that would have been much harder and much more of a tangle to get out of And uh, on my first semester of sophomore year, I want to say, yeah, it, it was roughly the start of sophomore year, um, I went and went and checked my email one day. I was just kind of floating through. Didn't know what I wanted to do. The music thing wasn't going to pan out. I had this communications major. I was almost done with my gen eds. I'm like, I gotta figure this out. Right. And my communications uh, advisor had sent an email to all of her advisees. But this one just stuck to me. It was, Hey, the student radio station is looking for help. We're looking for hosts. We're looking for producers, editors, sales, whatever, you name it. Right. They yeah. were just looking for bodies. Right. Yeah. And I was like, huh. And that's where it clicked. I like sports. I like talking. We're going to figure this out, right? I went to my first student radio meeting uh, in, I think, like December or January of that sophomore year. Absolutely loved it. And from there, just went on to just, I'm going to do this as long as I can and, and see how much fun I can have while doing it. So from being just a random GA member that sophomore year, I was co-sports director to sports director through junior year. And then by my senior year, I was a student general manager. So I think that, like, the seeds were already there. But college really shifted that for me in the way that I'm pretty happy with so far.
0: So you just went into like full gear at yeah. that point. You yeah. like, pedal to the metal once you got well, into that radio well, station.
2: Well, it's funny because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to go to college. I'm, I'm going to have the time of my life. I'm going to figure it out. And it's like, I could do that. But at the same time, college is expensive. Yeah. Very and if expensive. you don't want to, you know, keep paying it for a long while, like, You know, I I was fortunate enough that if I got through in a certain amount of time that I wouldn't have to worry too much about, you know, the post-college stressors, uh, if you will. And so I knew I was like, I'm here to have fun, but I'm also here to do a job because I do not have, you know, the time. Like, I can't take that super senior lap. You know, I got to really go through. And so one year, 25% into my timeline. And I have no idea just what in the world I am doing. I'm like, all right, you got to figure this out. Because like, I had a girlfriend on campus, and like everything was nice. Like I had my own little life out there. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what my life was. And so jumping into this, I'm like, hey, this seems to make sense for you. Let's go at it. And then it just had some fun, fun fact, the first ever game I broadcasted, and I have to look up the date, um but it was grand valley versus i want to say tiffin women's lacrosse it was wow. at it was at the varsity <laughs> level but yeah <laughs> you, wa- you. you want to talk about obscure sports it was at yeah. the varsity level but that was it and i i dove into it because i think i think i got the assignment because they were like all right let's see if this guy really wants to do this because oh, they you know they, what they, they want to test all the first year guys let's just give them one of the most like obscure like if you really love this you're gonna go out and i did I made flashcards. I learned the rules. Women's versus men's lacrosse is such a different game. Really? really? I barely knew men's lacrosse, and let alone <laughs> knowing women's lacrosse. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is different. And But I figured it out. Had Was on the call. There might have been six parents that were listening on the student radio station, all for the opposing team. But oh, God. Man, <laughs> I, but, man, I had the most fun when I got off the call from that, and the board ops was like, hey, you did pretty good. And I'm like, yeah. I did I do pretty good. I, I didn't just, suck. Look at I, that. Exactly. And <laughs> I've just, I've rolled with that. And now, you know, whether I'm here or wherever I'm at next season, because I would think 12, 2012, 2013 was the, uh, the sophomore year where I, I called yeah. that one game. So I'll do 10 years of sports broadcasting in some way, wow. as long as I'm tied in with the team next year, which is crazy to think, cause I'm not even 30, but at the same time, I'm so close to 30, it scares me.
0: It's not that bad when you get here. Believe it. Believe yeah, us. Yeah, I know I
2: know who I'm talking to with it, but it's my I own am, internal life right now. I am literally two weeks away. So yeah, you'll be
0: fine. You know things oh. things will start randomly hurting. So that that's that, awesome. That they already, already started. They already that started already. That's not new. Just why does my right, right ankle hurt? Just because? Just because it's Tuesday. Your right ankle hurts. Um, why does my shoulder hurt? You slept wrong. You slept I can wrong. do that. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. <laughs> watch, watch that. Eating eating a milkshake now. Yeah, it's gonna take a year to get off. Um, Fantastic. But, but at the same time though I think that is it shows a tremendous amount of focus and dedication just chase it mm-hmm. 10 years after women's lacrosse my first thing that I ever covered in sports for the student newspaper very, which was very funny kind of Find your way into these things. Women's volleyball mm-hmm. at UTSA. And also found out that volleyball players are legit crazy athletes. Mm-hmm. Don't ever like. Get in I the way loved
2: that. volleyball. I, I was actually kind of upset that Michigan and the MHSAA doesn't have a, a volleyball really? like thing for their school. Well, what? you got to remember the regionality of it. Point know, True. Like we have cross country skiing for a high school sport. <laughs> I don't think you have that down <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, that's not very not fair. Quite. That's very fair. <laughs> so it's one of those things where it's obviously regionalized, but I. Loved it because I played a little bit of volleyball, like just, just, you know, here and there, like there was like a little inner school league where it wasn't serious, but I just, I had so much fun with that. And yeah, volleyball, that's something people don't think about, but like, yeah, they're crazy Crazy athletic and like, you have to be crazy to play as many points as they do. And just, you know, really go at it. it. It's the same tennis player five, but tennis players are soloist. W-
0: this one? Yes. yes. T- tennis <laughs> players
2: are a lot of soloists. So it's a lot of internal stuff. Man, you spent a lot of time on the court with the same people and like, you've got to go
0: through a battle.
2: If it's five sets, or oh, right. my it's God. monstrous.
0: <laughs> so, and you're, you're, you found your momentum. You found what you wanted to do in college. When did the River Dragons or the Carolina opportunity come up?
2: So the Carolina opportunity came up actually because uh, I didn't get into sports right away out of college. Uh I was fortunate enough to be hired out of college in the field that I want. I mean, how many times do you hear stories? I got this degree, but I'm I'm doing this. I was fortunate enough. I won a couple of awards for play-by-play while I was in college with the Michigan Association of Broadcasters. So that was (laughs) thank to the shock of nobody. So so that was pretty cool. And we went to all these career fairs and part of it. And I actually struck up a conversation with a couple of people from Lansing, Michigan, who uh, own the and I think it still is the Town Square Media uh, Group that was there. And they had about six stations and there was a sports format that was there. And I basically said, hey, I'm into sports. I've got this play-by-play medal. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. And they're like, well, can you do production? I'm like, yeah, I've done production before and uh, eventually worked out. Like I, I graduated in May and in June, I actually got like a 48-hour or 72-hour warning. Basically, it was like, hey, your paperwork finally pushed through. We're hiring you. We need you here in the next two to three days. And I'm like, oh, well, let's just upend my life. <laughs> and here was the worst part about that. It was a morning show. Oh, it was was sports radio six to nine in the morning. And I remember a month out of college, the senior year where I've got it. I've got a job. I think I've got a job offer in hand. I'm in the last classes that I really enjoyed knocking them out. I wrote my last 15 page paper like a week and a half before classes ended. I am just skating through. Right. I am such a night owl. And then they're like, hey, 6 a.m. I'm like, why? (laughs) And then two months in. They do a schedule rearrange, and now it's on the PM drive, three to six. And I'm like, well, that's <laughs> better. But <laughs> oh, over the course of better. three, but over the course of three months, I had altered my sleep schedule so like crazy. And you're, you guys could sympathize with that yes. because you know the early morning news, the late the late night show. That shows. was
1: me in my past life working in <laughs> production. And
2: so that's just you know I had that taste for about three months, and then. Uh, Eventually got moved to traffic reporting, where it's where I got my real first taste of this is my own on air segment. It was only like 15 seconds, like three or four times an hour, but people started to recognize me, recognize my voice, and I'm like, all right, that's. that's pretty cool. And throughout the way, I was also trying to pick up as many play-by-play reps as I can. High school football, high school basketball in the mid-Michigan area. Um, anybody who was like watching the NCAA tournament, uh, mm. like Michigan, they got a guy named Brandon Johns Jr. I was calling his games at East Lansing High School. Wow. If you follow Detroit Pistons at all, Isaiah Livers, who yep. was drafted there. I actually called Brandon Johns' last high school game because it was in the MHSCA tournament against kalamazoo central and isaiah livers that's so i have have radio of of me calling those two names while they were just you know battling 17 18 years old isaiah livers is dunking during warm-ups and i'm like jeez this kid's gonna be good and now (laughs) here he is for the pistons like it's just insane you know how fast life comes at you but picking up all those reps you know that's the thing you got to do in this business just stay Mm -hmm. hungry try and pick up reps as much as you can and um I had done some hockey work in college, which is at the ACHA level. Mm-hmm. So while I was in Lansing, Central Michigan University is about an hour up the road. And uh, I got in contact there. They had a student radio network that was just covering the hockey games. Mm-hmm. And basically they put out a flyer. It was like, hey, we need help if you know students are during exams if it's a road trip we can't book anybody for we're looking to outsource some stuff to get help now central michigan is conveniently located where they have to go south through lansing to basically get to anywhere okay so i was like right there on their pipeline i'm like (laughs) i have ACHA experience i have this pipeline and honest to goodness i think that's the one job where they actually looked at my credentials and went this guy's good we have no idea who he is but we're gonna take a chance on him (laughs) because everywhere else you have to network you have to know the people and that you know that that is what it is but um I got in there, met the people, they were super nice to me, a lot of fun. They appreciated having me as extra help and I just again, through networking, developed myself and uh, my buddy, his name's Sean Bednard, um, he and I became really good friends and as we were as he was graduating out of college and I was finishing my second to third year in lansing which by the way i thought was like one maybe two year stop i'm in the year three and i'm like having a bit of a crisis like uh-oh it's something but you know you, these things take time you never can plan them out how things happen for you where you're going to be mm-hmm. um but basically talking with him learned it out got through some networking and that's actually through him is how i met scott brand who was the general manager of the thunderbirds at the time got an interview with him and uh was offered the position and then in july of 2018 Uh, chapters of my life said, hey, you're done in Michigan, time to go head south. And then a year later, time to go head further south. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: let's talk about when you get to Winston-Salem, you become the voice of the Carolina Thunderbirds. You know, obviously your biggest, you know, stop to date at that point in your career, what was it like, you know, getting there and, you know, starting to kind of
2: create your niche there i mean the first uh what was funny was is i was supposed to start like july 1st right and i was having some trouble like organizing a move and my parents were going to help me get down there and all that we just set schedules and it was like hey uh, let me push this back a little bit it was the july 4th holiday they were like all right that's fine but Mm -hmm. we did end up getting down there i think like july like second or third and had my apartment all set up which was nice and then it became real but again i had never been to winston-salem before I walked in, I saw the arena. It's this little three thousand seater. It literally looks like a barn. Like it doesn't have rafters like <laughs> you'd expect. It is a it is a triangle, you know, type uh type, type ceiling yeah and it's it's just very much it just looks like old school hockey and i looked and i was looking around they didn't have the ice in yet so i'm walking on the concrete where the ice is going to be just kind of getting that feeling staring around i saw my booth and i'm like holy cow like this is it like i've i've made it like so many people want to be in the position that i'm in right now and that's just one thing that's really like really fueled me to keep going wherever it is and, and you know try and take tackle every broadcast with the level that i do um, so from that moment, I was like, wow, that's it. You've made it. And then from July, boom, into October, you've got three, four months to acclimate yourself, get, you know, whichever you need up for, you know, pre-show and all the other things that go into being in one of these positions. And then, uh, I want to say it was like October, late October, like 25th or 26th, whatever first ever game at the Winston-Salem Fairgrounds Annex against Port Huron. And I actually recently looked back at the film. The first ever pro goal I called was at one time River Dragon but at that time, poor on Prowler, Yanni Liracos, yeah. Which I thought was, I thought that was a very interesting fun fact. Because I would have sworn it was a Carolina goal. But no, first ever goal call anyone heard out of me was like, ah, he scores. <laughs> 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 and, they're, and they're like, oh, does this guy suck? Is he not, does he like not get excited about hockey? I'm like, no, I didn't get excited because the it, wrong team scored. Right. my exactly. network, you know. But eventually I figured it out. And actually another River Dragon, Josh Antonio. I think he ended up scoring the game. Winner was this absurd, like, tip through the legs. Put it, like, roof of the net. And I'm just like... This is the level of hockey I'm seeing down here and well, I was a, I was a bright eyed rookie at that point, Fair. but still uh, it was just it was very cool and just went through that season and that year was just unbelievable for Carolina. It's still set so many different records 150 points in a three-point system 150 Mm -hmm. points still a lot um all the goals they scored the longest winning streak in fed history just so much and then obviously winning the championship in my first year like that's that's not bad it's not a great way to start but you know what it's kind of like spoiled me because you know it's I, I almost want to call it the LeBron James effect. How LeBron James is like, I don't know anything else other than the finals. Right. And I'm not saying I'm like that, but if you consider it, this is gonna be my fourth year
1: You're right. of pro hockey. You're River right. Dragons
2: are in the playoffs. We won the Ignite Cup last year, won the Commissioners Cup with the Thunderbirds. The only year in the middle was the year we didn't play playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not trying to associate you've, the comparisons, you've but I never I'm just, not won you, a title. I'm just used to these deep playoff runs. That's why I'm just so excited Scott, once again for the playoffs coming Scott up here. Scott keeps Zach.
0: Scott, keep (laughs) Zach, this is a good luck charm. What was your first impression of Scott Brand? Oh, man, it was, (laughs) I tell you what, it was on the phone during the interview
2: with him. And I, it it was one of those things like you you ever do a job interview and you're like, things are going well. Yeah, I know it because you don't want to say anything. Right. But you, you, you make that, uh, you make that point in your mind where we've gone from business talk. Hello, my name is Scott to, Hey, how you doing? You know, that sort of thing. Once Scott dropped uh, an accidental profanity on the interview, <laughs> I knew I was com- I knew, I knew he was com- that, is, that is so Scott <laughs> Brand. I knew he was comfortable with me and I'm like this is going well. I've got a really good shot. And he actually offered me the job outside of it. So I was like, "All right." And then as I as I got to, you know, meet him in person and really get to know him, he was definitely not what I expected from a typical like executive of a hockey team, but that's a good thing at this level, you know, you've got to be a little quirky. You've got to be off the wall because And if you're cookie cookie cutter and trying to do the exact same thing as everyone else and trying to be, you know, like trying to be like, oh, the very top of things, Mm -hmm. you know, like, all right, that's good to have as that goal. But if you're completely mimicking them, you know, where's your identity? And I think Scott really excels in that is trying to find that like, hey, what's different? Let's try this. He's not afraid of new ideas. I don't know how much research you guys had done before the River Dragons had come here. But Scott Brand was the genius maker behind the pregame shootout. And I don't know if anyone had ever heard of that, because that was, A, a minor disaster, but, B, also (laughs) kicked off that longest win streak in Fed history. (laughs) The concept was, if the game is tied in overtime, rather than have the team sit for the shootout, the pregame shootout basically decides who wins going into overtime, so that team who's behind has to push the pace and has to score.
0: Huh. Wow.
2: Well, the two games we did it, Port Huron had beaten Carolina in the shootout, and the second game it actually mattered. I think it was like 2-2 or 3-3. Carolina pulled their goalie. In overtime, make it four on three with, like, a minute and a half left, pushing through it, and Port Huron's doing nothing but selling out, blocking shots as if, like, the championship's on the line, (laughs) and they did end up winning. So, of course when we solicit hey what did you guys think of this trying to get some feedback on it all the carolina fans are like this is garbage it is awful <laughs> this is what cost us the game and i'm like well not necessarily right. but you know like so it actually got a very big like negative impact and obviously it went away but a ton of different places were covering it and i think that's you know one of the things that makes him really stand out he's not afraid to be outside of the box and really challenge the rules the reason why we have hybrid icing mm-hmm. is because of him you know, in the in the USHL, when yeah. he was part of their competition committee, you know, touch icing can be dangerous because you got guys running full steam into boards that do not move. But no touch icing is kind of reserved for youth and men's league. And they found that that hybrid middle through experimenting in the USHL, And Scott Brand, you know, to his credit, he <laughs> says it himself, but also to other people around said it, because it originated in the USHL. Kind of the, the pioneer and inventor of hybrid icing. So again, nice. you know, nice. sometimes things stick and sometimes they're you know the standard and sometimes hey that was a quirky thing and we'll remember that two years from now, very,
0: very, very much laugh, very much laughing <laughs> at right. it. Like, right. all right, we won't try that again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Your, your journey though, man. I, I, there's there's a lot to be said about determination and pushing through and chasing your dreams. You you also a risk taker because <laughs> when Scott brings a team here, he brings you with him. What was it like saying, like, okay, w- I'm already in the south. Now I'm going further to Columbus, Georgia? <laughs> well, I mean, that, that was that was
2: the joke I think Scott did in the initial press conference. Yeah, he said I was going to Columbus. I said immediately, sign me up. And then he told me Georgia. And it was too late. The ink was already dried. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it, it was a thing. I really had to weigh out some pros and cons. I had a very good setup in Carolina. Um, they were bringing in new management. And I was giving the management an honest try. I was with them for about a month or two. And I was really weighing out. It had nothing to do, really, with any you know one thing that was necessarily negative about carolina I, I i was very much torn when i ultimately did make the decision to come down here because yes it was a risk but it was just weighing out you know the thing that was i really enjoyed working with scott and i really thought hey there was a lot of opportunity it was a bigger arena and i kind of got sold a little bit on like hey, look at what the cotton mouse had and, you know was a, there's a there's a history of it here there was a history in winston-salem as well you know both markets are still very good and you know i couldn't have made a wrong decision that was what was nice about it because I, I talked with my advisors back in college because I was like, hey, you know that whole, like, uh, you know, save my number, I'll help you with it. Well, I'm cashing in that card. Here. <laughs> yep. and, and he goes, well, this is interesting. You have two people that want to hire you. Usually when I talk to people outside of college, nobody wants to hire them. And I'm like, yeah, it's a spoil of riches, but I can't work two jobs. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, um, you know, eventually just kind of waited out. And I mean, you know, Scott was a huge, you know, driver with it, uh, enjoying working for him. And, you know, what we've built now is obviously so huge. And it does feel good to say, hey, from, you know, the 2018-19 era when nothing was here to now what it is. I mean, you know, there's still some flaws. There's there's still some paint we got to, you know, t- get, get out because it's chipping in other places. But, man, we've we've really, you know, built it up, and, uh, you know, it's it, it's really exciting to be a part of it and just keep it going from here. There's still a lot of momentum to be gained.
1: Man, that, that, that's a beautiful thing. So first question I got to ask is, hey you ever heard of Columbus, Georgia before you moved here?
2: N- yes and no so no I had not really heard of Columbus Georgia the- actually what I had heard of Columbus is when Shannon Zabados played yeah. with the Cotton Mouse because the year that that was I was in college and uh, I was one of those cool kids that had Sirius XM in their car so hey. I was listening I was listening to My NHL I was listening to NHL Network radio and that was one of their big stories they were talking about there was like a female making their debut in pro hockey and it was like regular season full-time like yeah. a lot of people talk about Manon Riom. Um, and what she did I believe for the lightning, but that wasn't an exhibition game. Mm -hmm. Not that granted that was at the highest level. Right. But it was at an exhibition game. Zabados was playing regular season, games that mattered, full time. Yeah, you're in the rotation. And so um, it was a big deal. And obviously team Canada goalie CNHL network was mm-hmm. all about it as well. Um, so that was really my first and only like knowing of, Oh, Columbus has hockey. And I think I looked it up. Like oh, it's Columbus, Georgia. That's interesting. And then, you know, junior year, Zach or whatever that was in college, just put that fact away. And it was like, all right, you won't have to worry about that ever again in your life. Probably and <laughs> here we and are. You, and now here we are.
1: <laughs> and when you, fr- when you first get down here and you start, you know, it's hot.
2: Like <laughs> it's <laughs> hot and it's awful. <laughs> You and I, Scott. First cause, things. Well, because I moved here in July. <laughs> that was oh, a bad idea. Oh Lord, have mercy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hi. Welcome to Columbus. It's 95 with a heat index about 106.
2: But that's the thing with hockey. You have to move in the summer. Very rarely are you the guy that it's like, Hey, we're two months into the season, so it's July. It's uh, it's January, and good for you. No, it's the off season. <laughs> so I moved here. It was either July or August of, of 2019, and I just got down here, and I'm like, oh, it's worse than Winston-Salem. Yes, it <laughs> is. It's so much more humid. I thought I could handle humidity. <laughs> Welcome. (laughs) Listen, I've lived here my entire
1: life. and The humidity still sucks, so don't feel bad.
2: At least I feel like I'm losing a little weight.
1: There you go. There you you go. You have no choice to. That is the trade-off. Especially in baseball season. (laughs) You have no choice but to lose weight here. So you you get here to Columbus, and you start getting the opportunity to kind of interact with people. What was your first impression of, like, the hockey culture here?
2: I mean, the hockey culture, you could tell it was, I don't want to say dormant, but just, you know, lying a little low. Like, some people... They didn't even know about hockey here, and maybe they were new transplants, whether it's from Army or just whatever that brings them here. And other people were like, oh, yeah, we were big Cottonmouth fans. We're so excited to have it back. And others were just like, I didn't even know hockey existed here, but I'm all about it. So there was these weird, like, different sects of, like, people in the population. But talking with all of them, you know, they were obviously very friendly and, and very good to get to know. And obviously my job was, hey, you know, just drum up excitement, get people ready for this inaugural game, this first season and all that. Um, and you know, I, I I really didn't have any complaints. It was it was very welcoming. It was a very fun community, and it was just it was very different because I still think there are some people out there that think, huh, why are the, why are the cottonmouths called that? And it's like, no, it's not that. It, it's different. And we're you know sometimes it's the battle we fight to get out there. But the the fact of the matter is, is you're a hockey fan in Columbus, Georgia. You're already a rare breed.
0: Fair. So true.
2: you know we're you know just you, you, we're trying to get you to jump on the wagon. We're trying to get you excited. And honestly. <laughs> I feel like we've done a lot to help people to get excited. If you've if you've looked at any of our content before, if you tried to get with us and tried to, you know, see what we're about, you know, we're about trying to get you excited, trying to get you in and hooked into, uh, you know, just being a River Dragons fan. It's worked out for, you know, many different games over. I mean, obviously our military night we had uh, this year drove in over 6,000 people. I was going
1: to say, that is the most packed I've seen the Civic Center in a long, long yeah. time.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the standard, though. That for us, and that's one of the things what you really, you appreciate working here. And at the same time, man, you really, you know, you realize how much of a, a marathon versus sprint it can be because, you know, 6,000, 7,000, that's the standard. That's what we want to be to, and that's what we're constantly working for. And we won't rest until then, but at a certain point, your body's like, hey, we do need to rest. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, ultimately, it is fun. It is part of the job, and, you know, there's, there's hundreds if not thousands of people that you know want to do what you do so you got to take it as an honor and a privilege every single time whatever it is you do in that capacity from stuff like this to to drumming up season tickets on the street you know you you got to attack it with you know a passion and a vigor for it and and i love that
1: your the first time you stepped in the columbus civic center for on a game day and seeing everybody show up what was going through your mind
2: well, if I remember right, actually, our first game was in Delaware. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, first game as a River Dragon really allowed me to just be in a... Uh, I don't want to say a comfortable environment, but, like, when you're in Winston-Salem with 3,000 people a night and you know what your building looks like and all that, and I'm not trying to knock Delaware here, but they're a tiny rink. Yeah, so, so what, I got uh, there. It's got a capacity the, of 600. Yeah, and I'm I'm not concerned about the fans, and I'm not concerned about this. All I'm concerned about is, how do I make this new equipment work? Because <laughs> uh, I, I was used to my setup in Winston, and I got some new toys here in Columbus. And I'm like, ooh, I got to do that and make sure this so – really my first games was a lot of like learning on the fly, but eventually we got it figured out. And by the time we got to those first home games, uh, it was against Elmira. It was, it was a blast just seeing people. You could tell they were excited. They were getting loud for every little thing. But the problem was, is nobody dropped the gloves in those, Mm. in that first weekend at home. And when I tell you the just different breed of Southern hockey fans that I realized running the social media accounts, just getting DMs on Facebook and Instagram, that was a terrible game. There were no fights, and I'm like, sir, <laughs> sir we won in a shootout. <laughs> we won in a shootout. It. it was f- like Jay Crouse like established yes. himself as like, oh man, he's going to be a guy. He scored two goals in the shootout. It was awesome. There were no
0: fights. I was so upset. I was like, <laughs> All right, we'll work on the fights. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we ran across Boom Boom um, at practice, and he we talked to him about that after about that. He's like, "Yeah, if there are this many people here, I'm bleeping fighting." Like, <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's different because it, it's a new team, right? right? If this was the Cottonmouths, right? And I think there was like some veterans there. Remember, this is an expansion draft. Yes, this is an entirely new team. Like, y- y- you'll have like. A lot of people talk, and I'm I'm a part of it, that Carolina Corps that inserted themselves yes. to become Columbus. But, like, there was pieces from Watertown, pieces from Danville. It's like any expansion draft. There mm-hmm. are this mishmash of players together. So, like, that culture was still being, you know, refined. And obviously everyone knows, hey, it's a big crowd. Let's go put on a show. But to be quite honest with you, I don't think anyone really knew who the fighter was on that team. That's a good point. That particular lineup. Like, if you look at the lineup on that particular November game, you would look through, I'm pretty sure Edgar Lynch was on the team, so you could say, oh yeah, he was the fighter. But like, Ozel Lynch fights when, you know, you've wronged one of his teammates. And I, I, I think the showy fighter, when you look at that, is like a Justin Schmidt type right now. Right. I don't think anybody knew on that lineup, like, who was the showy fighter guy?
0: Gotcha. You mm-hmm. know, so, so maybe, bring that exception. So
2: may, maybe that was it. Maybe it was like, hey, they're just focused on winning their first home games at home. I don't know because ultimately it is a results based business. <laughs> sure. Right. But yeah, you do need to, to pander to the fans. And I, I thought that was. I thought that was just so interesting, like my first game. All right, we won because we lost the first one in overtime. Then we won in a shootout. First home weekend done, and that's what we got. I was like, "Huh, that's interesting feedback." But okay,
0: <laughs> what do you think of Boom Boom when you first met him?
2: Uh, Boom Boom was a delight. He was he was very welcoming, very much like you could tell he more than anybody was so excited to have hockey back, like what it meant to him, like every little bit of. The, like, hockey love in the community that I had established was all glued together in this one person in Jerome. And I mean, he still loves it. You know, every day you can, oh, just, very you very can very just very tell he's just, you know, he's so happy to be at the rink. You know, this is, this is where he's called home now. And you know, the fact that it's back just means so much to him. And I, that just came through, immediately upon meeting him and just you mm-hmm. know how much it meant to him and other people that were around like obviously after him then you met or Hergott because he was running the the youth hockey clinics and and on all the other different people like the former cotton so we just did the legends game just about a month or so ago and the one we did the first year just getting to meet those guys just you know there's a camaraderie like yes. this was very much a hockey town of the south that you know we're trying to label relabel ourselves as if you will um. So you know, having that history and having those people there that it means so much to, and those there's the heroes of old, and now there's these new age heroes that helps in basically establishing, if you will, the lore of you know having Columbus as a huge hockey market like it is.
1: Absolutely, man. So let's go down to that f- further in that first year. Obviously, it gets cut short because of the onset of the pandemic. You know, Yay. what <laughs> would. What was that like trying to navigate all that?
2: So this was the weirdest thing that is a sort of behind-the-scenes story that I don't really think anybody, I don't think it matters to anybody but to me. So I was living in an apartment complex around here, and some of the guys were also in the same apartment complex. Some of the apartment buildings had washer-dryers, some of them didn't. Ours Mm. was thankful, to Some of the players would come over, hey, can I do my laundry real quick? Yeah, sure. And it was Jacob Gerson who only played a handful of games here then I think went over to Sweden. Um, And then him and a couple of people, they're just hanging around, right? And this was around the time you were starting to see it, but, like, it was only isolated, like, a dozen cases in Washington. One or two here. It was nothing at the time, right? Nobody thought of anything. And and, and Gerson, he said to me, he's like, man, how – if this blows up, like, could it really affect us? And I'm like, yeah, but here's the thing. Like, it's going to have to affect something at the very top and trickle down. It doesn't just target – your small minor league things. If yeah. it's shutting down the big boys, that's when the trickle down effect happens. And that's when you worry because it's downhill to you, nothing stopping it. He does a load of laundry, comes back 45 minutes later. Inside that 45 minutes, Rudy Gobert tests positive.
0: <laughs> oh, my Lord.
2: I cannot tell you the ultimate. Like Jacob Gerson came back and he's like, so what do you think about it now, Zach? I'm like, oh, I'm panicked. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. It was, oh, my goodness. It was just like you could not have, like, scripted that better or worse, if you will. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, nah, I mean, this is what has to happen. It has to do this. And then literally 30 minutes later, hey, that's happening. Uh,
0: crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's
2: probably um, not the
1: terminology.
2: Right. You're using. Yeah, right. Um, and then what's interesting is, is obviously, because, like, you know, the NBA, the NHL, all these other leagues, are like, what do we do about this? Like, do we continue playing? Do we test players? Cause nobody knew what to do. I, I don't know. I highly doubt there's a pandemic playbook in many of these different places mm-hmm. at the highest level, much less as it gets to us. So you're just kind of kind of following the lead. Well, as you're following the lead and they're figuring it out, you're trying to take notes and see how it affects you while you're in the middle of a season we were no joke three to four hours away from reporting for bus to Danville, Illinois, Mm -hmm. to go play the dashers that weekend. When we got word season's going to take us take some time off for a little bit. Cause uh, you know, all right, one to two weeks we'll figure it out. We'll reschedule. We'll be fine. That was the attitude
0: for every sport. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah,
2: It was that cause that was, again, you were, you were taking from what other people said. Yeah. And obviously what happened happened, but um, you know navigating that was was very difficult it was it, it was a tough time and you know this is where i've really got to give a lot of credit to the higher ups at ignite, you know, uh, guys like Jeff, I think it was Jeff and rich at the time. It has ex- since expanded to Jeff, rich Lee, Kristen, and, and and a couple others that really handle the higher ups at, uh, at ignite right now. But you know, those two guys were kind of like the brainchild of everything. And, and to Jeff's credit, he didn't put a single person on layoff. He didn't lay anybody off. He kept paying us through, That's amazing. you know, there was times we had to work from home. There was times, Hey, how can we do this? What can we do to manufacture content? How can we keep people engaged? I remember there was a, you know, little off the wall media group that was trying to follow us that re-simulated the rest of the season. And I actually got involved lending my voice to the calls of <laughs> NHL nineteen or whatever <laughs> it nice. was that they were then they remade everybody, like colors, players, all that. That's it was, amazing. Yeah, it was time staking. And uh, <laughs> I can't remember. It was Carolina and Elmira. They they that was their simulated final. I got to call the Elmira. It was it went to game three. I called Elmira's win in the first game. I, I can't remember what had happened in, in the rest of the series. I think Carolina won it, but I, I could be wrong. But um, just doing stuff like that it was like you really had to just scrape and figure out what can you do because, you know, I hate to bring this word back because so it's such a buzzword, but these are unprecedented times. Oh, God. Whoa. That Those was a word. I heard. know, right? That, I don't miss. That, that's a core memory you unlock from not that long but ago. I just don't <laughs> – why? So, you know, we were we were just trying to figure it out, but, again – to their credit. And I am forever grateful for them because it helps show off, you know, my talents and my skills. And it just shows how good a people they are and and what type of organization they're trying to run. They did not lay a single one of us off. We did not miss a paycheck. They were still going through business as usual. And, you know, you can say from a business major perspective, hey, that's really hurting you and that's really put you in some spot. But I mean, you know as you guys know sports is a business but it's also more than a business at yeah. times and it's really made me feel cared about and it's why i love working so hard you know to do the stuff that we do yeah sometimes i have way too much on my plate but <laughs> i mean it's you know ultimately it's because the environment that i'm around if it wasn't for that i wouldn't be doing it you know and that's 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 just a testament to jeff and scott and all the all the people there that helped make that you know so good
0: incredible they, 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 they Hearing that and hearing what they do for this community and that they actually care, we are very blessed to have them run these organizations. Uh, Back to hockey, though, I mean, we, we finally get a season somewhat back up and the Dragons make that run to the night. Cover.
2: They do. Um, so, you know, it's, what's interesting about that is I'm actually assist, I assist on the league scheduling committee. Right. Um, so that 2020, 2021 is a disaster. <laughs> in, <laughs> terms of, in terms of my files on my computer, like I just have a, like a schedule tab, right? And it says 2021. And there's about 70 different drafts of, all right, well, we'll start this time. No, we'll start this time. No, we'll start with this many teams. We'll start with that. Like every little scenario you could think of until we finally got to the four team season that we were, I mean, we whittled it down from 10 teams to four to five, six different start. It was, it was a nightmare, but the fact that we got it out was huge. It was definitely great. Um, and it was, you know, a season that you couldn't, you know, you, you couldn't do it any other way because Mm -hmm. of the individual like state guidelines and, you know, Georgia was more open than New York, which was less open than Michigan, which was more, you just, it was, Monsters. It, it was a it, nightmare. Yeah. Like and he it, couldn't do a bubble. It's, it's already so difficult to schedule across all these different states and all these different teams and what they want. And you have to get government and sanctions and all this other restrictions in. It's just like, it, it, it's so much like you are already on, un, on, un, un, untangling an extension cord. Let's just right. throw four more extension cords on top <laughs> of it. Like, Oh my gosh, impossible there. So, but eventually we, yeah, we did, we did get it going. Um, one fun fact about that is people will remember, obviously, the uh, the way the se- season was set up for the River Dragons, it was go on the road and then play the rest of them at home because yep. you have the ability right. to. We're really going to run a lot of games for you guys. And uh, we affectionately called our one road trip the Triangle of Death because <laughs> we went from Columbus up to Elmira, then to Port Huron, and then right back over a full week. That was a full-blown hockey road trip. Two different cities over a course of a week. We left on like a Sunday and didn't get back until Sunday or Monday. Mm-hmm. Like we were just gone that whole time. Like that's that's full ball. And the closest I think I've ever come to like the show in the NHL. You're doing multiple cities. You're gone from your house for you know more than a week at a time. Um, so we effectively named it that. And unfortunately, as plagues a lot of teams in this uh, in this league, our bus was not uh, in working order at that time. Yikes. So so uh, our bus driver operated one van i operated another van and then jerome took his truck and had the trailer with all the gear hooked up to it so that thing was guzzling gas like crazy um on the entire shift i had to do some work up to elmira so the guys kind of rotated like assistant coaches other people were helping out um and then i missed one shift after that somewhere in like kentucky tennessee on the way back down our bus driver missed that same shift but otherwise he did everything Jerome Bichard did not miss a shift on the triangle of death. Wow. Like when you talk about that man's dedication to hockey, it is (laughs) insane what he did on that particular trip. And then after that, you would think, oh, smooth sailing. We're all back at home. But there's a lot more stress that goes into a home game. Mm -hmm. Like as as long as your road travel is well taken care of, you don't got to stress about that. Road games are a lot easier compared to home games. There's so much more you got to deal with. And that was just weekend after weekend. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, but it all paid off in the end, obviously, you know, getting that trophy and, and, and winning it up. There was many a joke made on the way up to Elmira because that was a team we beat that year. And we had to go there for the first two games. Mm-hmm. And, man, there was a lot of jokes being cracked on the way up there on the bus that we had. And we were like, let's uh, let's cut it out. Let's just make sure we get there and back in time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so that go. let's go to the El- Elmira series. And game three here in the Civic Center the river dragons just open up the floodgates early Man. and often and you know what's going through your mind and of course you let the fans take it home for the cup final
2: yeah well i mean i uh, i remember just you know we don't, we were only allowed to have 1500 people in there but yeah. that was 1500 just screaming engaged like it sounded so much louder and you could tell when that when that call was played cuz the noise in that place was just awesome and I can only imagine if there was four or five thousand people in there for the type of game that we had. Hopefully, I mean, in a couple of weeks. I mean, you're right. You're right. Exactly. Uh, but I mean, was, we just uh, just smoked them. It wasn't even like it wasn't like a oh that was a close game and we squeaked it out. No, this was like by the third period, you knew like you were you know you were yeah. get, you were getting the cup ready, and once the guys were out, you were taping up the. The, the protective thing and the stalls and all the electronics in the locker room. Like you just knew, which was nice from the preparation side of things. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. How many times have you heard horror stories in the back end of oh they had the champagne on ice. Then they lost an extra innings. So, eh, let's all get right, it out. Get yeah, all it. Nobody could see it. Nobody could see it. Um, <laughs> but you know that just it, it was just it was an unreal atmosphere and you could just tell like that level of passion just existing down here just proves how much people love hockey even in that small of numbers that we were restricted to in 1500 still made it such a night you know worth remembering and I mean the guys in that team you will never see a fed team that talented until like some major shift happens or hockey just keeps getting better because of of the nature of the circumstances, yeah. half the ECHL teams were playing, half the SPHL weren't teams were playing, 60% of Fed teams were playing. That's so much trickle-down of top talent from the AA level down to here. And that's no knock on anybody that currently plays yeah. in the league. It's just by the fact of the matter. You were getting guys like like CJ Stubbs. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was on that team that's played in the ECHL this season. CJ Hayes, um, Wyatt Trumbly. Mm-hmm. Like these were guys that were in the ECHL this season. That played on that team. And you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's the level of talent that you had for that one special season. And it's commemorated with that cup and that banner.
1: Incredible, man. So, we get through to the cup. We get the championship. But now, a new challenge with the Columbus Chatterhoops. Yeah. Because you didn't have enough
0: to do already, Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: Uh, unfortunately no uh, but but you know what it's it's fun because it, it makes it a year-round organization I'm always in season in terms of like my calls and like yes there are off seasons but it's not the same as typical other stuff but uh, interestingly it's, it's what I want to do um, because as I was figuring out to really do a callback to like you know growing up and trying to figure out my way in broadcasting uh, there's a guy in Michigan by the name of George Blaha yes and I don't particularly want to mimic my style off of George Blaha, but I want what George Blaha has in that he's been calling Michigan State football on the radio for like 40-plus years, right? and he's been doing Detroit Pistons mm-hmm. basketball for about 25 or so, I want to wow. say it right now. Like I want it to be that. I want to find my two sport, but I want it to be in football and hockey. And interestingly, in my last days in Carolina, I had that because I was the play-by-player for the Thunderbirds and I was the color commentator for the Carolina Cobras. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I thought you just
1: got all the rivals of the Columbus. (laughs) I guess so.
2: So I I came down here and eventually, Oh, we're talking about baseball. So eventually worked my way over to that. So now hockey and baseball, Uh, is the thing but it's different because you know you're not just with the cobras it was nice i was like a little game day like all right i show up i got their notes i got my notes from prep i do my job six saturdays every summer that's when they need me baseball's not that baseball is so much more of a commitment (laughs) which is just crazy and it's a it's a different challenge definitely for sure and it's even more challenging when you start up a baseball team in the middle of the (laughs) pandemic as well which hey you know we went through we we had an idea for it and we we did very well i think our average attendance at at golden park i think was either at or just under 2000 for the whole season and i mean that includes however many rainouts you know that we had which was a ton
1: uh, it rains in the summer
2: listen i'm just thankful it didn't rain out banana ball from what we had about a week or so ago like that was that was a lot of fun and it seems like people loved to be at the park and that's going to hopefully reinvigorate that baseball you know that people love around here um but you know doing it and just you know really getting into it because i had called maybe like four or five baseball games in college and mm-hmm. after that i really didn't know what i was doing <laughs> um when i was in lansing the lansing Lugnuts at the time were a blue jays affiliate now an athletics affiliate Great but name. i got to know their uh i got to know their broadcaster jesse goldberg strassler and i kind of consider him my like baseball mentor yeah because he's very knowledgeable very much like he's he very much stresses his word choice he's got books on broadcasting baseball and football so i'm like all right this is a good guy to learn from and Obviously, when I was in Lansing, I board out for him, so I got to talk with him. I shadowed him. I actually did a half inning. Uh, it was Lake County either Lake County or Kane County. I want to say it was Lake County uh, against Lansing. I got to do an inning uh, with him. He was on color. He let me take lead play-by-play, and all that happened was Lake County hit a two-run home run, and the Lugnuts went one, two, three. And I'm like, ugh, well, that maybe I'm a bad omen. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we went away from there. But, you know, having that m- very small baseball experience, I kind of went into that, and I'm like, hey, you got to be passionate. you got to be excited. But, you know, I still dove in. In the same way I dove into that women's lacrosse game, my first ever call of, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I know the general rules of the game, but like I got to know it inside and out because I've got to be that authority. I've got to be that, hey, this is what's going on. Because if I'm lost, you better believe that you and everybody else listening is probably lost, which is one of the things I think is so much of an asset to, to have me calling your games is you know i'm doing my best to break down and understand stuff now i've also been a hockey referee i was a hockey referee for about eight or nine years so <laughs> that helps when everybody's got gloves all over the ice and everyone's in the penalty box or people are going to the <laughs> hallways and i'm like when i say there's penalty math to sort out there's penalty math to sort out because there's literally you will see sometimes referees pull out a notepad and be like this guy's got this much this guy's got this much and he's crossing out this and it's basically a little algebra problem and he's like all right this team's on a power play for this long and this is why. And it's like, <laughs> yep. and if you have to really show your work, it's like, whoa, it really got, it messy. got bad. Yeah, it got bad. It's complicated. Messy. But uh, again, having that experience helps me. I draw back from that as a broadcaster, and that's how I really wanna be. Like, I don't wanna be the broadcaster, like, ha told you so, like, that's what it is. Cause I feel like I was that early and I realized that's obnoxious. You don't wanna be that. Like, I thought, oh, because I was a referee, I knew when everything was, that was a bad call, that was a wrong call. And I'm like, you know what, you don't need to be that way because you've made bad and wrong calls too. Like, you need to chill it out. But I could still draw from that and sort of like put myself in the mind of why something was called a certain way Fans still might not buy it. They still might think it's BS, and this was awful, and blah blah blah. (laughs) But I'm at least trying to give an explanation. I'm trying to sort out this madness because whether I believe it or not, it happened. Right. You know. So that's that's one thing you got to draw from it, and if you're knowledgeable, that's one thing that will aid you so much. And I think that's what helps me a lot in situations where it gets bad, or in situations when something weird happens.
0: What advice would you give to to young, uh, you know, people who want to get into this business and who want to you know, become eventually a broadcaster, whether it be big time or not. But being a play-by-play guy, I think, is such a huge asset for the sports experience if you're not in the arena. What advice would you give them?
2: Take everything seriously and prep like it's the, like, it it sounds cliche because I think another broadcaster in in the SPHL uses it, but prep every game like it's your last one. And I don't mean like, oh, man, every game's going to be dramatic and it's going to have this. Man, I think that first lacrosse game I called was like 15 to 6, Like, yeah, it was a bit of a blowout, you know, but it was just one of those things where you still attacked it with the same seriousness that you would attack an NFL football game. You know, you've got to be, like I said, you've got to be knowledgeable. You've got to be that source because for people listening in or watching in, you know, you are their guide to it. A lot of people like to talk about, Oh, I love muting the TV because Joe Buck or whoever is annoying. Right. But ultimately they're there to do a job. And if you're whether a first time listener or long time fan of the sport, you are that person's guide to what's happening in the game, to storytelling. So you've got to take that that position and that responsibility seriously. You know, if I would have just messed around and, and it's women's lacrosse, i you know, whatever, I'll figure it out and I'll just look up the names on the day of, you know, I don't think I would have been here because I really set myself in a good position to, you know, jump up and, and have that acumen to say, this is how I am. This is my style. This is my brand with it in terms of broadcasting. And then just, you know, go back, learn clip and just figure out what's good. My first broadcast was not perfect. My last broadcast was not perfect. You know, I, there's always things that I can improve on. There's always things that like, Hey, maybe don't use this word choice, maybe slow down. So you don't stutter or you don't like trip over yourself when you're calling this exciting play. But then at the same time, recognizing what's good. When you're in the moment and you're like, man, that was a great call. I was end to end with it. I was hitting it in radio. uh, I believe they call it post to post Mm -hmm. where you perfectly nail that like eight second of intro bed into a song before the lyrics take over. When you nail that eight second post to post, you know, you, you clip that, you save that because that's like, that's how good I can be. But in sports. Sometimes that post to post is an eight minute long segment of hockey because nobody's off sides. Nobody's drawn a penalties. <laughs> nobody's <laughs> scoring goals. And that's a lot to go through. Yeah. And other times it's from pitch to ball, leaving the park in a home run. You nailed it for that 30 to 40 seconds. Um, so you just got to be aware of like, hey, what's good, what's bad. And always be analytical. Always be critical of yourself because you're always going to be your harshest critic. But always, you know, just make sure that, you know, you're not getting too down on yourself that, you know, as you advance, you advance because you have skills like you, you know, I'm here, obviously, you know, Scott and them really believed in what I did in Carolina and brought me here. So you can say, oh, well, you knew them. That's why you came here. But I don't think I would be here for three years if people, you know, didn't like the style of broadcasting and commentary that I bring, not only from the fans perspective, but also from the higher-ups. The fans yeah. could absolutely love me. And if your boss says, I don't think you do a good job, well, his opinion mm. kind of matters. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you could hit both, that's that's very good. And again, it's just that being being cognizant of what's good, what's bad, and taking a good, hard look at how you sound. A lot of people, they tell me, aren't you sick of hearing your own voice? And the answer is yes, but only when I'm saying things that I'm like, you're better than that, Zach. You've worked on this. You're trying to remove that word from your lexicon. That's a lazy word. Or you're trying not to be that cliche with it. But in terms of how my voice actually sounds, the only thing that comes up now is, hey, who's listening to me in the office? <laughs> yeah. Like somebody's like looking up highlights and I hear my voice and I'm like, what are we watching? Like <laughs> that's that that that's how it, it, it comes about to me. So, you know, just be analytical, be cognizant and just take every rep seriously and be hungry for those reps.
1: Man, words to live by, man. Uh, Do you have a favorite call in your career?
2: Of of mine or just in general?
1: Well, you know what? How about both? Because I'm interested to hear, you know, maybe a favorite call you have outside of yours as well.
2: So of mine, man, there's, there's a lot that stand out. Obviously, you look at the big moments. I truthfully like my Columbus championship call better than my Carolina call, but it's because I grew up between those two to three years uh, or those two years, I think, of, of the calls and also the Carolina one happened in overtime in a road facility, hostile environment. Like, it's just, you. you were, I was just ballistic. I was just losing my mind, and it still probably lives on in Carolina lore. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like, it's not like I'm ashamed of it. Um, but I just, I look back at that, and I'm like, that's a guy in year one who's freaking out because his team won, and oh my gosh, like, this is great. Like, that's a super fan. And I've toned down that super fan to be a little more refined and was able to deliver, I feel like, a very good call in Columbus. And also the heart rate was a lot more down We were up (laughs) by six. (laughs) So that helped. Um, But, I mean, I think just off the top of my head, I think that helps. And there's, you know, you go on the different River Dragons highlights and different game calls, and, I mean, there's so many ones that I I could point out to you. like, I'd give that an 8 out of 10. I'd give that a 6 out of 10. I've never really thought to myself, what's a good 10 out of 10 call? I just like to say, hey, whatever's the most recent, you're really working on that. Now, in terms of what my favorite call of all time is, I've got two. We talked about one in, in the lead up to the show. Right. It was the 2003 Stanley Cup Finals. Scott Stevens basically murders Paul Korea. <laughs> Paul Korea, literally, we watched him come back to life on live television. And then he scores a goal like a period later. And that was off the floor, on the board, Paul Korea. And that one was just phenomenal. Gary and
1: Thorne, baby. Gary
2: Thorne and Bill Clement, I love the NHL on ESPN. Yes. I played the video games. I Me watched too. them. And because the Red Wings were really good in that era, I loved Gary Thorne and Bill Clement. They were good soundtracks. And it makes listening to Baltimore Orioles games very weird. Because, <laughs> so much so. Because I'm like, oh, he hits a home run and Thorne's getting excited. And I'm like, you can get more excited. Come I my you can get
0: more. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, is, that, it is it Orioles is baseball. baseball. It yeah, is but, baseball.
2: That's, but you know what? That's, that's, just, that's just the nature of it. But beast. hey, that goodbye home run call good too. it is but that's one of them but the ultimate one i love and it doesn't even involve the red wings, which a lot of people are going to say what really because there's so many good red wings calls that i could go into a list but um i think one of my all-time favorites is jim Houston, a canadian hockey broadcaster he was basically cbc's doc emmerich for a long time uh, while I grew up, he just had this style. He had this voice yes. that was just like, this is hockey. This is a Canadian's version of hockey. And, of course, growing up in Detroit, we had the Windsor Station. Yeah, I was, was going to ask okay, gosh, you, get to yeah. wa- watch a whole bunch of Hockey yeah. Night in Canada? Beaming over Hockey Night in Canada. Learned all the words of the Canadian National Anthem by the time I was eight. Like, man, It was just <laughs> like, I was basically a quarter Canadian growing culture up in exact. elementary school. I, I was. I was culture. <laughs> that, that obviously helped in the hockey realm. But uh, I think it was 2011 the 2011 first round of the Western conference final, the Vancouver Canucks were playing on the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Blackhawks and the Canucks had met up a ton in the postseason, and Chicago just always had Vancouver's number. And, of course, CBC, they're they are pulling for every Canadian team. <laughs> like, Absolutely. come on, somebody get to it. We haven't won a cup since 93. Come on, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> and, and, that, and that Canucks team in 2011 obviously went to the final but lost to the Bruins. But that Canucks team was what everyone was riding on. That's when Henrik and Daniel Sedin were in their prime. Roberto Luongo mm-hmm. was in his prime. So many things were so good. And if I remember right, the Canucks are up 3-0 in that first round series, and the Hawks came back to force a game seven. Everyone's like, oh, here comes the Canucks. They're going to choke again, right? And it's game seven. It's overtime. It's in Vancouver, and Alex Burrows scores the goal, and the place is just going nuts. You just hear nothing but just audible, just excitement, just everything. Jim Houston does the right thing. He steps aside. It's perfect, and he sets some stuff up. And then his call, it was like after, however, he had the days, he had the years, he had the games all lined out in perfect stats. Just after so many years and all these games, it's a wonderful day for an exorcism. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, that was just, it was just chills. And like, I'd already loved Jim Houston so much just from growing up with him. But man, that call like stands out to me. Like, I don't think, I don't even know in terms of Vancouver Canucks fans, if that's like even among their most favorite calls. But, man, that one stands out to me, and I'm in no way a Canucks fan. Definitely an anti-Hawks fan being a Red Wings guy. There he But, I mean, just, it, it just, man, that was just like, wow. That was, you couldn't have
0: done that any more justice than it did. It was beautiful. Wow. Zach, thank you for being such a wonderful guest. Uh, we, got a couple more questions for you. What would you tell young Zach about what you're doing right now?
2: uh wow you didn't think you could do this but you did (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think it was like hey you know growing up it was like hey you really cool to get something like this because remember music guy as well like music Mm -hmm. or or doing this like hey that's cool but you know if it doesn't work out you know find a thing but hey you you did it you know you you attacked at it so you know from 11 12 year old this you know, murmuring to himself while he's playing like NHL 2004, you did it. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and go ahead and find
0: that final question, Jack. We all right, wrap man, this, up. this is
1: the question that we ask all of our guests with the caveat that you have to help us out if we do it. Who would you like to see in that chair as a guest on our show? Zach
2: knows some people too. Oh, I do know some people. The problem is the, the biggest one I think was like one of your first guests. The uh, first <laughs> guest. It, it was Scott Brand. It was the first guest. Yep. And then and you've already taken J. Crew. But you right. know what? I think from just definitely from a River Dragons perspective, uh, Josh Petra Antonio, he has got oh, okay. such an interesting story. Obviously, you know, he's the captain of the team. He was mm-hmm. the captain in Carolina. He's got so many, he's got so many different things. He's very interesting, and he's a character. Too, when you really get to know him like we, come, we we're coming back from Port Huron and I mean this was playoff mode Petro just him messing with guys just being different levels of sarcastic and trying to get you to trip up like man he was he was wild he's in good form but um, he would definitely be a guy that cool. I, I would be looking at there and then you know what on the baseball side of things okay uh, you know it's easy to say S- Steve Smith everything sure. he's meant for Columbus baseball around here and I'm sure he's on your guys's list so I'm gonna give you another one. I'm gonna give you Mac Hill. Yes. Mac Hill is another interesting story because, you know, he's our first base coach with the hoots. He does some stuff with Columbus High and obviously he's very in tune with baseball. But especially this season, being an equipment manager with the River Dragons as a hired Ignite staff member, him and Kino Mora tag team, the equipment manager responsibilities get a baseball guy first baseball coach first base coach columbus baseball coach uh, everything that he is and just put him fish out of water right there with all those guys day in and day out in the room and i bet you he can tell you his growth and his story with it he was like whoa this is so different but he's been having a blast uh the entire time i know for sure so depending on which side of things you're looking at petra antonio was a hockey guest and i think mac hill will be a good baseball guest
0: two wonderful recommendations absolutely. zach and uh from two guys here we're a fan of yours yes, absolutely. An excellent excellent thank job you so all much calls, guys man. well we got to wrap this up zach hang out for a little bit inspiration yet again found jack uh Hearing Zach with the, the amount of drive that he has, so young in his career, is is amazing to see. And honestly, I feel like I got a, you know, <laughs> got some more juice to continue to attack our careers and continue exactly. what we're doing here at News Three. Exactly, man. It's just,
1: it, Zach is literally one of us. <laughs> he
0: really is. He
1: really is one, one of, of us. Of us. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a guy who has the same drive that we do, the same aspirations that we do in our careers. So, man, it was refreshing to you know get to learn more about Zach than you know more than you see when he's on the radio or on the TV side making the calls for the River Dragons and the Chattahoots. But it is about that
0: time to wrap things up.
1: So, Rex, as we always do, where can the people find
0: us? Guys, thank you so much for joining us yet again. You can check us out on WRBL.com when these episodes go live. But Eventually, you'll find them on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Just search for On Your Sidelines right there. Jack, we also try to stay active on social media. Where can they find us there? Absolutely. You can
1: follow us on Twitter. I am at Jay TV. Rex is at RexCastilloTV. We're on Facebook as well. WRBL Jack Patterson. WRBL Rex Castillo. Don't forget to follow the News 3 Sports accounts as well at WRBL Sports on Twitter wrbl news three sports on facebook rex my friend
0: take us home thank you again to Zach, and, and good luck to the river dragons as they look to repeat and bring out another championship banner back to the fountain city add a little bit to that you know hockey that uh, town that of the south baby <laughs> hockey town <laughs> in the south repu- rep- uh, reputation getting ready for everything that the chat hoots will bring they they the opening day on june, june, 4th, 4th, june 4th and it's going to be a fantastic time at golden park guys thank you so much for joining us we'll see you next time right here on your side see you in two weeks guys